All right. Yes, sirree. One day we're going to be able to tap, tap that energy through an IV and just get into some of that. Amen? That'd be a blessing. All right. Let's uh, give our attention at this time. Uh, Doc, if you'll come and just take it over, and about like I told you, 20 after is good, and there's your work. Thank you, preachers. Thank you very much. Philip. Day, Brother Dover's in the motel room where I was, and uh, and so uh, uh, he was going to guide me out here, and uh, I got here and realized I picked up the wrong briefcase. And you got to understand that when you travel like I do, you carry more than one briefcase because you carry your office with you, and uh, so I picked up the wrong briefcase. So I went back and realized I'd left my keys in the room. So I had to get another key made so I could get in the room. Then I realized I had the key in my pocket. Anyway, you, some of you older folks understand what's happening here, amen? Oh, it's go, I, I told the pastor, I said, it's going to be a good day. Because when Sundays start out uh, with this, that, and the other going on, it's usually because uh, there's a spiritual warfare taking place. And I want to share with you some things uh, uh, this week. I, I trust that we can be a help to you. Um, I'm a... I uh, pastored in the Dallas area, and out of the church that I pastored uh, back in 1981, we started the Creation Evidences Museum. Dr. Carl Ball, I don't know if you're familiar with our museum and research there south of Dallas. We have a tremendous museum, uh, Creation Evidences Museum. Uh, and uh, I'm the executive vice president of that ministry, and um, we speak a lot on science and the Bible. And so uh, then also uh, uh, we, uh, not only that, but uh, let's get this clicking here. You got the clicker going? It's not going to click, my friend. Is it not started? <clears throat> I also have uh, other ministries that we're involved in. Uh, the uh, Issachar Report is... Uh, one of them's on the table back there. You can take it. We also have a uh, television ministry, um, Prophecy in the Spotlight. Uh, it's on CTN every Friday night about 6 o'clock, I believe, your time here. Um, it's on Prophecy. Uh, it's a great need in our world today. Uh, a lot of people, lost people, will, uh, they know something's happening. Something's different. Uh, especially after 2020, everybody, uh, saved and the lost, knows something has changed. And it's a great opportunity for you and I to be able to go to the Bible and show some things from prophecy, build a road to the gospel. Amen. And so I want to help you with that this week uh, as we look at several different areas of prophecy uh, together. We'll be in Zechariah chapter 5 in just a moment, uh, but before we get there, I want you to understand that your Bible is almost 30% prophecy. You know, a lot of people, and I hear people all the time say, uh, um, we don't know that much about prophecy. You, you need to understand a third almost of your Bible is prophecy. You know why? God doesn't want us to be ignorant of the times that we're living in. 
Uh, God wants us to understand. We don't have to know the day and the hour. The Bible said no man knoweth the day or the hour. Jesus said that, uh, but my Father only. You be back tonight and I'll help you understand what that statement really has to say. I'm going to share with you some things tonight out of rabbinical history and uh, out of your Bible tonight to help you understand that statement. And I think I can help you understand what Jesus meant when he said, no man knoweth the day or the hour. Um, first of all, you need to understand the Jewish calendars off by 177 years by their own doings. Back in 133 AD, they altered their own calendar to prove that Bar HaKobah, who was leading the final uprising of Jewish rebellion against the Romans, in other words, in order for him to fulfill Daniel's prophecy as the leader that was going to set them free, they had to take 177 years so that this is the 490th year of Daniel's prophecy. What did it do? It cost a million Jews lives and dispersed them in the entire world for the next 1,800 years. And uh, so tonight we, we'll look at that. But 29% of your Bible is prophecy. You need to understand why. It's because prophecy is the spirit of Jesus Christ. To understand prophecy, you're understanding what Jesus wants you to do. Hey, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, I know it says the revelation of John. Uh, no, it wasn't John's revelation. John was just the recorder of Jesus' revelation. So the study of prophecy will enable you to have a better understanding of the Spirit of Jesus and really what it's all about. Everything from front of your Bible to the back of your Bible is about one subject alone, Jesus and redemption. It's all about redemption's plan. And uh, so uh, uh, prophecy is not God imposing his will upon humanity. I'm going to give you a few basic things in, the, in almost every one of our services to help you get a little better grasp, maybe some of us, of prophecy and the study of prophecy. You need to understand, it is not God imposing his will upon humanity. A lot of people have the idea that prophecy is kind of like uh, God uh, playing uh, with the devil a game of chess. And the devil's going to move his players in the world, and then God's going to move his players. In the world. That's not prophecy at all. Uh, because we serve an omniscient God. Uh, God, the Bible is all about redemption from beginning to end. Man, I love my Bible, don't you? I love to look for the redemption plan. Bible prophecy recorded pre-recorded history. You see, an omniscient God knows from the beginning everything that's going to happen throughout all of time. So it's God's pre-recorded history. We call it prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 46.10, if you don't have this marked in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. Isaiah 46.10, he said, declaring the end from the beginning. Hey, only an omniscient God can do such. Declaring the end from the beginning uh, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Then he goes on to say, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, you can take it to the bank of heaven. If God has said in prophecy what's going to happen, it's going to happen. Amen. We do not like what's happening in our world today. We do not like what's happening in the last few weeks in the political system in America and around the world. We do not like these things. You need to understand, you better get used to it 
because God's already told us this is exactly what's going to happen. You cannot have the tribulation days without having the stage set for them before the rapture takes place. I'm here to tell you about the only thing that's going to stop the tribulation from happening tomorrow is your exodus and mine in the rapture. That's how close we're getting. And uh, so uh, because God knows these things, prophecy revolves around Israel, not the United States of America. I'm glad I could serve my nation, and I, I'm thankful for the nation I was born in. I've been in many, many countries of the world, and I'm here to tell you I'm always glad to get back to here. But I'm also understanding prophecy does not revolve around the United States of America. In order to understand prophecy, you've got to move yourself over into the land of Israel. And the Bible says, and he spake the parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. Uh, when they now shoot forth, you see no, and of yourselves summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. What is it that's near at the door? Well, it's going to be the tribulation. That's what's coming near. And uh, so Israel is that fig tree. In, the, in Luke's account, he says all the trees. Trees are always used symbolically in prophecy of nations. And so when you see Israel, the fig tree, coming back to life, then you need to understand these nations that border Israel is also coming back to life. Every nation today that borders Israel, all of them came back into life as a result of World War I and then World War II. In other words, God's beginning to set the stage back then. And uh, so these nations are now already in existence. Prophecy also includes Gentile nations. We'll get, to Jer we'll get to Zechariah chapter 5 in a minute, don't worry. But you need to understand, uh, there are a lot of prophecies that also involve Gentile nations. There'll be many of the minor we call them minor prophets only because the length of the book with their name on it, not because their prophecy are minor. And uh, so uh, in those, you'll find many of them are written to Gentiles. And especially if they've had some kind of either historical, present, or future involvement with Israel. If you look close at the prophecies that are related to Gentile nations, they have either in the past present or yet future, will have some major impact upon Israel. You do not touch the apple of God's eye. Amen. The prophecy that God gave to Abram in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis is still in effect today. The nation or the people who will honor Israel will be blessed of the Lord, but those who do not will be cursed. And you are now underneath the leadership in America, and we are headed to the final curses of God. I'm not here to preach doom and gloom because I'm here to tell you the rapture's around the corner and we're all going to be out of here. But you need to understand the judgment of God has been falling on America for many, many years. And you are now ready for the last phase of it because the representation of your nation is now anti-Israel like it's never been in its history. That's what your Biden administration is brought to us. You say, I don't like it. I don't like it either. But I'm telling you, prophecy and the map of God has already told us it's going to happen. 
We're headed there, folks. We just need to buckle in and stay ready. So keep in mind, it's all about Israel, even though it's Gentile nations. Now, your Bible is not put together in chronological order of time. Your Bible has different sections, four major sections in it. So I'm going to be giving all of these charts to your pastor when the week is over. You can get with him. This would be a great chart for you to have in your Bible for your Bible study time. Because you're reading over here in the book of the histories uh, and not realizing that maybe all the way over toward the back uh, of the book uh, uh, of the Old Testament, you're going to find a prophet that was living at that time. And sometimes when you're reading a story, you could also go to that prophet and get the setting of what that story is really all about. Same thing it is about the prophets. Many of the minor prophet writers are overlapping some of your books way back in the first part of your Bible. And so you need to understand Haggai and Zechariah are contemporaries. They know each other. They're prophets who are, who are being given different information for different purposes. And their ministry is overlapping the time after the captivity. And then you've got Zerubbabel going to build the temple. You've got Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, but you need to understand, all of this would have never happened had it not been for the little book of Esther. Do you realize that none of this would have happened if Esther... Now, now. God could have used anybody because Mordecai told Esther, said, if you, you, you've, come to the, you've come to this for this time, you, but if you don't do it, God will see that somebody else does because he knew that God had made a promise for the future. Ezra, or, or Esther is going to be used to set the stage for, Zach, for Ezra and then Nehemiah. And so, uh, so these are things. So the book of Zechariah, the first six chapters houses eight visions. They begin at the time of Zechariah, which is after captivity. Zechariah is going to be given eight visions. They come in sequential order of time. In other words, the first one had to do with the time in which he was living. The next one will be a progression. And then it will be years after that. Then you're going, to come to, uh, uh, you're going to come to the sixth one and you're going to talk about the temple and the temple that's going to actually be destroyed. And then you're going to come to the seventh one that sets the stage for the tribulation period. And then the eighth one is the millennial reign of Christ. In other words, all eight of these are in sequential order of time. They're building a progression so we want to key in on the seventh vision, which is the time period just before the millennial reign. You see, that's what the Jews are always looking for. And this was what, the, what was it that the uh, disciples said to the Lord after, after resurrection. What is, are you going to establish the kingdom now? Because that's the promise that God has made to the Jews. You and I are not looking for an earthly reward. We're looking for a reward in heaven that doesn't fade away. We're looking for one that, that will forever be a reward in the relationship to our responsibility throughout the eons of eternity. But the Jewish people are looking for an earthly reward. It is called the millennial reign. And so uh, the seventh vision is all about that. We'll not take time to, this morning uh, to look at the church age and its involvement here. Let's look 
chapter number five, and let's begin reading in verse number five. If you found it with me there, uh, follow with us in verse number five. He said, uh, then said the angel that talked, uh, that went, uh, that w talked with me, went forth, said unto me, lift up now thine eyes and see what it is that goeth forth. And he said, uh, uh, what is this? What is it? And he said, this is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. Man, you ought to underline through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it in the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth thereof. Then lifted I up mine eyes and looked, and behold, uh, there come out two women, and the wind was in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and heaven. Then I said, uh, then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there on her own base. Father, would you please bless our time as we uh, take a brief, quick look at this parable, this prophecy. May we see the parallel of how it has already unfolded throughout all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you some things from this parable. And uh, it was written after the captivity. You get you a commentary that was written in the 1800s or 1700s. Uh, and they're going to say that the two-winged women uh, was uh, Babylon that carried the, or, or was Assyria that carried the northern kingdom into captivity. And then they'll say that the other woman is the, uh, is the Babylonians that carried the southern kingdom, Judah, 117 years later, into captivity. Wait a minute. These are in progressive order. This is a long time in the progression of these eight visions. This is not talking about what happened in the past. It's talking about what happened, going to happen in the future. We're already watching these things happen. Uh, and I want to uh, help you see it. And so it's a future event of conditions that infect the entire world. I mean, made it very clear that this is something that's throughout the entire world. In other words, it's not just Israel only, but it's a setting that's going to happen in the entire world just before the millennial reign. Well, you know, between the rapture and the millennial reign, what exists? It's the Antichrist kingdom. You realize that everything since the beginning of creation... It's always been about a kingdom. Did you realize that's why, what happened with, the uh, with Lucifer or Satan? What happened? He wanted a kingdom. So he found a way to get the kingdom. He tricked Eve. And Adam willfully sinned. And in the willful sinning of Adam, he gave the dominion of the earth to Satan. You know what the tribulation's all about? It's God coming back to get his kingdom. That's what that scroll is. It's the title deed to planet earth. 
Jesus is coming back to claim the kingdom back. And in the meantime, you know where the kingdom of God is? It's in you. And you know what's going to happen after the Antichrist kingdom and the seven-year tribulation period? It's going to be the millennial kingdom for the Jews. And you know what follows that? The eternal kingdom. It's always been about a kingdom. So when you're studying your Bible, don't just pass over uh, the, uh, the uh, 135, I believe it is, times you'll find kingdom. Maybe 385 times. I, my mind's not working real clear this morning. Anyway, I'm not sure it works clear any morning. Don't ask my wife. She'll agree with that. Amen. It's going to be something representing the entire world. I can't stress it enough. Because what you're watching happening right now, starting as of March last year, the World Health Organization shut the entire world down. You're hearing about the Great Reset. How many's heard about the Great Reset? Be honest, you've heard about the Great Reset. Almost everybody in this room has been hearing about it. You say, well, it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Hey, they're going to vote next week on a $1.9 trillion giveaway. You know how much goes to America? 1%. You say, how do they keep doing that? Well, they keep printing money out of thin air. You know what for? They've got to bankrupt the capitalist of the world so that the Great Reset can step in. You just mark it down. It's coming. Oh, yeah, it's coming. You say, well, I've got my money stuck away. <laughs> what if you wake up one day and your money's not worth? What about your $100 bill's not worth 10 cents? You said it'll never happen. Boy, you don't know much about history. You don't understand the wickedness of human nature. Folks, I'm telling you, what we're getting ready to look at rather quickly, oh, you said 10, 20. Is it the shorthand or the longhand? Anyway, okay. <laughs> it's resemblance throughout the whole world, the entire earth. And so uh, it's on a global scale. In Daniel chapter number uh, uh, 11, you're, you're given some information about the kingdoms. You know, people say, well, you know, it was a, a, a God never spoke to anybody, uh, but uh, he was silent for 400 years. You've heard this for years, you know. Uh, for 400 years between the Old and New Testament, God didn't speak. He didn't have to because he'd already spoken. He already gave to Daniel all of the major political events of the world that would happen in the 400 years between the Old and the New Testament. They're recorded for you in the 11th chapter. But at the end of the 11th chapter, you're introduced to the fifth and final major kingdom, which is the Antichrist kingdom. And when you get to these verses, he says, Neither shall he, this is talking about the Antichrist, regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, uh, nor regard any God. Let me stop a moment. You know, there, there are a lot of people trying to tell you today that that means the Antichrist is going to be a, a homosexual. You need to understand how important your King James Bible is. Many of the articles in your Bible are very important. Many one, two, and three-letter words change the entire understanding of its context. Many times it's only in your King James Bible that you will find those exact articles. It's amazing. And uh, so look at it closely, nor the desire of. Hey, what was the desire of women 
in Daniel's day. You remember the story of Samuel and Samuel's mama? Hannah went and she was beseeching the Lord. Why? She wanted what? She wanted a male heir for her husband. In his day, the desire of a woman was to bear a son for her husband. Do we live in a day where the majority seems to be wanting to bear anything? No, we're murdering our unborn children by the multiple millions. Israel put theirs on the Moloch in the fires, and we, we, we're doing the same thing. Don't tell me God ought to bless America. We're under the judgment of God because of that grave sin. And so uh, uh, the desire of woman, nor regard to God of uh, any God. Uh, he shall magnify himself above all, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, uh, a God whom his fathers knew not, which is an unknown God. Shall he honor with gold and silver and precious stones and pleasant things? Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God, that's a foreign God, uh, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, shall cause them to uh, rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. So the Antichrist is going to have three major powers. You know, a God in the Old Testament was not real. Outside of God Almighty. But you see, the people that worship the system of whatever false God it was, that, can, that gain, had control over how they lived their lives. So what you need to understand in prophecy, he's telling you that in the end time, there'll be three major things that aid the Antichrist in having full control over the people and how they conduct their lives. Hey, you remember the story of Gideon? He got up one night, brave because God's spirit came upon him. He got some fellows with him and went out, chopped down the grove. Hey, you remember what happened the next day? Hey, they came by and they wanted to kill him. Now, do you think... The offering they were going to lay at the grove, uh, at the feet of their idol, was going to have anything to do with the growth of their crops. No, but that's what they thought. In other words, it governed their lives. And so Daniel's telling us that there's three end-time gods that's going to govern people's lives. And uh, uh, I don't have time to stress this, not our purpose here, but the God of forces and then an unknown God and a strange God. I think the first one is science and technology. There's not a facet of your life that's not governed by it today. I think the second one is money and finances uh, because it was unknown in his day, but it's worshiped with things that are material things. What is a foreign God? Have you ever heard the name rogue nation? Have you ever heard about sanctions? What you're looking at is a one world order. Globalism. And it's going to help. And so this is where we are. So the symbolism, I believe here, he said through, uh, he said, uh, though it may be literal, it is always used uh, 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 spiritually. Many times prophecy, particularly in visions or dreams that are recorded, are like the teaching of Jesus. They're parables. And in a parable, something is literal that is used. It, in other words, if I use something that was fictitious, then how would you know what I'm trying to use it to illustrate is not fictitious? So the purpose is to use something that is literal, not that you want to look at it literal, but what it's symbolizing or teaching is literal. 
That's its purpose. And so uh, that's why Jesus was the master teacher. And you that are teachers, uh, you, ought to, you say, I want to be a good teacher. Uh, then look at and study the life of Jesus and his ministry of teaching. And uh, it becomes effective. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> in this, you're going to have all kinds of things that are literal. And if you're not careful, you'll get to looking at that rather than what it's symbolizing. And so you got women and storks and wings and wind and an ephah and a basket and a base and lead. And uh, so he said, and this is a woman that setteth in the ephah. Now, before you ladies get upset, God's not picking on you women. Because I don't know any woman that could fit inside a seven or eight gallon bucket. I don't know any men that could either. So you see, this is something that's literal, but it's being used figuratively to illustrate something or to teach something. And so it's symbolizing the source that, that issues forth. None of us would be here in this room if our mama did not issue us forth. So the picture of the woman is that whatever it is representing is something that is being issued forth, or it, it's being brought forth, it's being produced. And, uh, and of course, uh, the woman here is bringing it forth, uh, and it's worldwide, and he calls it wickedness. This is throughout your Bible, you're going to find wickedness. This is why in Daniel chapter number 2, God is going to give to, uh, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar a dream. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to see a head of gold. And he's going to see a breast of silver. And then he's going to see bronze. Then he's going to see the strength of iron in the legs. But then when you turn to chapter number 7, God said, hey, I want you to know what Gentile rule really looks like. Because man thinks he's valuable and strong and in charge. God said, I want you to know he's nothing but a wild beast. And God gives you those same things pictures only by the nature of them as wild beasts. So you don't look at the literal thing, but what it's teaching. And it's teaching something that's literal because of the literal use. And so uh, this is an issue forth, and it's cast into the midst of an ephah. Now, this is even if you went with me to Africa, I could take you in Uganda. Uh, we have a ministry out of our church. We've got about 135 pastors uh, that we work with there in Uganda. And I could walk you down uh, the streets and you would see Ephesus everywhere. They're a little bit, sometimes a little bit different in size, but within almost the same shape. They're little dry grain baskets that are woven. And they use them for the measurement, kind of like a peck in our world today, a little bit smaller than that. And uh, this is how they measure out when they barter and they, and they uh, get their goods uh, down at the, at the market. And it's still usable today. And so uh, the Hebrew word for wickedness is in the feminine sense, which tell us, again, this is an issuing forth. Men do not issue forth. We provide the seed of life, but the woman issues forth the life. And so uh, this is the picture that's being painted here. So there was lifted up a talent of lead. Hey, wait a minute. Why in the world would you have a, a woven basket about this big around, about that tall, and it requires a 110-pound lid? 
I don't know about you, that sounds like it might crush it. That's telling us that whatever is being put together to be issued forth inside this mechanism is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of pressure. It's going to, it's going to require a lot of effort. And whatever it is, is finally getting itself down to a small enough nucleus to be confined into one area. But it's going to take a lot of work. You know what happened in the last four years in America? Evidently, it wasn't quite time for the tribulation. And God put a man in office in America that put the brakes on globalism. And for four years, they done everything they could in the entire world to get rid of him. The election that we just, and I'm not getting into politics, but I'm into reality. The election we just now went through was not just manufactured in America. But the elites of globalism are the ones behind it. Got to hurry. So he's got it confined down into a small basket, and it's going to take a lot of work. He said, then lifted up my eyes, and I looked, and behold, there came out two women. I think that's the two sides of the world. And, and the wind was in their wings, uh, for, the, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. Uh, uh, they lifted up the effort between the earth and heaven. Storks are migratory birds. So whatever has been developed is going to be migrated back. Migration means they go back to where they started from. Goes back to where it came from. And the wings symbolize they initiate this on their own. But once they start with their wings and initiate it, the wind carries them, a force outside of themselves. You know what the force outside of the world is? It's a spiritual force, the spirit of Antichrist. You're watching the rise of the spirit of Antichrist in our world greater than it has ever experienced, and it is only going to increase. The closer you and I get to the rapture, the more the spirit of the Antichrist will rise because once you are taken out in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, once the restrainer is removed, the, the entire world will fall under the delusional power of the spirit of Antichrist. You're watching that entire world almost be there right now. All it takes is you and I out of here and there'll be total delusion of the world. Man, this is where we're at. And uh, he said, then said the angel talked to me, whither do these bear it? He said, I want to know where they're going. He said, back to where they came from, to build it a house in the land of Shinar. You know what happened in the land of Shinar, don't you? Back in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis gives you the story about what happened at Shinar. He said, we're going to go back to, to Shinar. So what happened there was uh, they said, let's build us a place lest we be scattered. What was it God told Abraham, uh, Noah when he got off the ark? He built an altar and he said, I want you to build an altar. I want you to make sure your boys know how to build an altar. I want you to make sure your boys know how to worship me. I want to make sure your boys know how to have a relationship with me because now I want them to scatter all over the world and know how to have this kind of relationship with me. 
But before a hundred years was over, you come to the story of Babel. The story of Babel takes place between 150 to 300 years after the flood. And they said, let us, lest we be scattered on the face of the earth. And so uh, they weren't going to do the will of God. They were going to do their own thing. So that's why no matter where you go in the world today, you find people whose people's group and history who you think never had a connection with each other because they're clear on this side of the hemisphere or you're in South America or North America or you're in Europe or you're in Asia or you're on some island out there. You say, well, why do they have all the similarities? Because this is where they got it all. Right here. They got it. Humanism uh, is an attitude of rebellion. And so it's set there upon her own base. What did they have at Babel? Well, they developed a one world system. They had one language. You say, well, we don't have one language today. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got an app on my phone. I don't know if you've got one, but I, I've got an app on my phone. And I can talk in it, punch a button, and it'll speak in their language. They can answer my question, and it'll translate it to me. We already have a one-world language by the use of technology. Oh, it's amazing, amazing the things. And so, said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth, a world encompassing back to Shinar. Now, I'm not saying that everything has to go back to the physical place, and it may. I, I kind of take my Bible literal sometimes. I don't know about you. And, uh, uh, but uh, I don't think it's any question that on your dollar bill, you've got the pyramid of the Babel symbol. It's no coincidence. Hey, did you see the, recently? Uh, 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 Amazon's getting ready to build them a new building for their second headquarters uh, just across the, uh, in Arlington, just across from the Pentagon. Anybody see that this week? Oh, you ought to see it. They call it the Helix, 350 foot tall, a tower, just like the Tower of Babel. Oh, you couldn't make this stuff up. Oh. Just like Nimrod's day, the world is quickly headed to a one world order. They're getting ready to have a global reset and the global reset is not just finances. It's a world constitution outside of God. Just like that. That's the EU. Gotta hurry, yeah, we're out of time. Cashless society is coming, folks. It's already here. The coronavirus was just a tool to start you down the road for the mark of the beast system not far away. You say, well, the vaccine, is it going to make me inhuman? Ask me later and I'll tell you. But no, your soul is not attached to your physical. Thank God for that. Oh, these are some of the things that are taking place. Oh, by the way... <laughs> The Pope's already anointed Marcon of France to be the leader of the world. Just this week, he injected himself into the Middle East because America is no longer the player and he is working on the deal between the Arabs and the Jews. I wouldn't say he's the Antichrist, but you want to ask me later, I can give you some information. Amen. Hey, we're getting close to being out of here. Father, we thank you for the privilege of these few moments together.